Brett for years our Sydney-based wellness couch fans have been saying, when are you coming to Sydney? Oh, they've been banging the door down, MP. Well, Sydney Ciders will be in your neck of the woods on Saturday, June the 2nd. We're going out of the CBD, we're heading straight down the highway to the regions of the Illawarra and the beautiful town of Kiama for our third and final wellness base camp of the year. Join Fuad Kassab from Quirky Cooking to talk all about food, naturopath, gut guru and female health extraordinaire, Helen Patteron. Stress is a hot topic with Dr. Maria Zushman and you and I, Bretto, are talking about succeeding at life and love and work at the same time as succeeding in health because there is no wellness in a life that doesn't feel good. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the Wellness Base Camp, one full day of inspiration and education on Saturday, June 2 from 10 till 5. There's over 1,000 bucks in door prizes, a raft of world-class local exhibitors and a room full of people just like you. Bring a buddy and get two tickets for the price of one before they're all gone. All details and tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com. That's thewellnessbasecamp.com. Wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. This is Fuad Kassab, and with me is my good friend, Joe Witten. Hi, Jojo. Hello, Fufu. How you doing? How's it going? <laughs> good. Good, I'm doing good, great, good. thank you. I'm sitting on my bed trying to organize my laptop and uh, <laughs> so all the tables are inter- <laughs> intertwined now. So I'm good now. I'm excellent. Good. That's Thanks good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, you're How's welcome. the weather in final Queensland? Shocking. <laughs> we're just having really? we're just having cold and wet for ages on end. Cold oh. as in you know, like seventeen or so. it's cold for us okay freezing you're freezing yes (laughs) do something about it i don't know build an igloo or something because it's just not you're not going to survive the winter i know i know the temperatures hey it gets down lower Um, at night you know (laughs) yeah of course there's no sun (laughs) it's usually the sun that keeps the heat coming during the day and something about that yeah yeah Mm. just so that you know okay i'll Um, try and remember (laughs) <laughs> Jojo, I'm going to be in uh, Kayama in a week. You are. I'm going to be presenting uh, with Marcus and Brett and Helen. And uh, it's going to be at the Wellness Base Camp. If you guys haven't heard about that, I'll put a link through in the show notes where you can buy a ticket two for one, which is a really good deal. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a whole day of wellness. It's sort of like a mini wellness summit. If you guys have been to a wellness summit, it's kind of like that, so but it's a smaller fun. version of it. It's, it is a lot of fun. There's going to be a couple of hundred people there, I think. And um, I've got a 40-minute talk, get on stage without you, which uh, I'm always panicky about. <laughs> oh, you are not. That show. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like Aww, you know, because sometimes nice. I get scatterbrained and like I'm looking at the, you know like something catches my eye and I can't talk anymore Squirrel. and then you sort of pick up my slack whereas uh, if I'm the only person on stage who's gonna like all eyes are on me and then I'm sure you'll and I'm be self-conscious fine. I'm like on my knees right am I standing correctly where do I put my hands guys it's, you better go and support Fuad because he's feeling nervous so make sure you yeah. go <laughs> yes 
I'm thinking I'll, I'll get my hair cut, especially for the occasion. Oh, well. that would be nice. Uh, yeah. I'm doing something different with it this you time. Should. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, see how it goes. But I mean, I really am excited because it's such a cool thing. Like, first of all, we've been down to Wollongong for one of our events. And yeah. that was a lot of fun. Like people down south of Sydney are just happy people. And it's you know, a lot of fun. they're happy because so, they don't live in Sydney, because it's I no traffic. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. That's what I felt when I left Sydney. I felt like the traffic monster left me. And, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, inside me there resided a little angry traffic guy who was just <laughs> upset at traffic. Which pops and out now would, and I'd then like, whenever yeah. we drive through Sydney. <laughs> yes, it, revisits me i see him peek out yeah it's like ah why is that truck (laughs) going up here like so close to me while i'm driving but i think when you move out of sydney you you kind of relax yeah uh, yeah it's a good thing yeah um so yeah man um that's kayama coming up and then afterwards we're gonna be doing an event in sydney in july and we haven't decided on the venue yet so stay tuned but we also have an event in byron bay Mm-hmm. Um, we we haven't decided on the venues, but the dates are are almost there, right? Yeah, the uh, dates are there. Um, we've got the sixth for Byron Bay, sixth of July. Yes, and um, that's a Friday night, and it'll be. Um, yeah, I think we do have a venue for that one, but I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, it'll be up the on the Bi- events Byron page. Center. Okay, have yeah. You booked it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Byron Center. But we'll put it up on our website. Oh, which reminds me, I need to put them up on the website soon. All right, yes. I can do it. Um, and what else do we have? We've got uh, Sydney on Wednesday, the 4th of July. Yep. Yeah, so that we haven't decided on, on the event. So if, uh, on the venue. We're still looking guys have any ideas, let us know. Yeah. We'd love to know. Yeah. Still looking. Sydney venues are very expensive. Oh, they're crazy. That, that's, $5,000 or something yeah. for a venue. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, if you've got any good ideas, guys, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to go crazy. You want to keep this affordable for everyone. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, um, what else? What else has been happening with you, Joe? Well, um, just working away on gut health program updates and trying to get recipes sorted for the blog and um, – all of that kind of thing. I feel like I'm still trying to catch up from the last trip. You know, whenever you go away, it takes at least a week to catch up again, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I've I don't got... think I, I'd never catch up. No, life. well, that's it. But at least on the emails and the messages, you know, I, when I'm away, I tend to not check my messages much because it's like, oh, this is my excuse to not answer all my messages. I, I'm away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that used to be the pleasure of travel. Is that yeah, you know, like that's right. Especially, especially when off. you go on a plane, you're like you don't have access to all the files and to do all the work. So that's you used right. to sort of at Read least rest on a plane. Yeah, Sleep. but now there's like laptops and they're putting Wi-Fi on planes, oh, which no. is just ridiculous. Like you, know, you don't, don't want to work, work on a plane. No, it's stressful enough being in a you know a metal box hurt, hurtling through space. You know, it's just. <laughs> add on top of that uh, answering emails so yeah I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm getting there but I've been into the office one day in the whole week and a half I think since we got back but that's alright I'm thinking of getting an office too yeah it's, it is nice having a, sp- a place where you can leave your stuff and just get away and focus on your work without a zillion people around you no one knows where I am I'm hidden away in my office no one That's ever nice. visits me there. It's good. 
well that's my problem actually is like i have exactly that at home yeah no one visits me and i'm feeling Aww. really lonely oh poor Fufu. yeah i'm feeling i, I visited like you I'm the other week retirement here. <laughs> yeah but you know like i i'm used to having like a vibrant sorry workspace you know yeah. like a a place where people come and go and you have exchange of ideas and mm, that's you, my home yeah a, a variety yeah but the ideas <laughs> in your home around. are all about like just things that don't you don't really care about you know like like isaac wants to talk about <laughs> japanese to you no no i have a lot of visitors to, to my home so- i mean not just my kids <laughs> uh, okay well yeah oh, so i, I, I go to my space. office I'm to escape what? Yeah, well, I found a space. I told you about it. Yeah. But 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 I'm, I haven't decided whether I'm going to take it or not. Yeah. So we'll see. It's got pros and cons, like anything in this life. So yes. I'll see. I might do a trial three months with it, and if I like it, I'll stay. And if I don't, then don't. Yeah. I'll see. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like um, when I've moved to the Blue Mountains, like I still haven't met a lot of people here. It's almost been a year, mm. and. Um, I would love to sort of meet a community and work with them and just be yeah. part of something. Yeah, it makes so we'll see difference. how we go. Yeah. Yeah. The place I looked at last time, there was a, a guy who, does, like a really cool dude who does fashion design mm-hmm. and he showed me his stuff. He does like these uniforms for um, like rock stars and stuff like that. You, they have uniforms? Me, like, well, yeah, like you're not uniforms, you know, like jackets and, you know, crazy fashion for <laughs> Um, musicians right and um, yeah so it looked pretty cool it sounds very artistic yeah yeah so he seemed like a nice guy I I like him and um, but you know I don't get the opportunity to talk to anyone here at home so yeah that's why I enjoy talking to you so much oh because I'm better than nothing yes (laughs) thanks (laughs) Fufu No, I bet I'll still be talking to you more as well when I'm in the office. I, I bet that will happen. Oh, good, good. I feel um, relieved. A, an update about our book, We've Run Out of Stock, everybody. Um, if you, you've been wanting to buy life-changing food, it is currently out of stock, but it will be back in stock in July. But you can still buy it now. And the second it hits the shores and gets into the warehouse, it gets processed by the warehouse. And then the next day. They, so it's not exactly the, the second. The second, but yeah. <laughs> the second day after. <laughs> the second it'll day. Be, yeah. <laughs> it'll be sent out to you um, straight away. So I think that. If you would like to support us, go ahead to quickyoucooking.com.au and purchase a copy of the book. Yes, Joe? Did you have a estimated date for the arrival? Early July now, yeah. the most recent one. We were seeing end of June, mm-hmm. uh, Karen was telling us, but then she said early July. So I had to go into the website and change the text that says end of June to early July. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I've done that. But we, you know, it takes a while for these things to get here on a boat. Yes, and, uh, it does. Yeah. Boat or ship? What's the word for it? A ship, uh, I guess. A ship, it's not a I boat. would say. That's, I yeah, know. same difference. Is a boat a small thing? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. And, and I, you know, English is my first language, so yeah. <laughs> I still don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, 
then fine. It's on a you know it's actually a marine my only vehicle. Anyway. <laughs> it's what, sorry? I said it's actually my only yeah. language. <laughs> Your first and only language. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, yeah, and um, well, today's topic is going to be about fats. Yes. Fats, cooking with fat and what's going on with all that. Um, there's a lot of questions all the time about what, what the best type of fat to cook with is and what you know, how do we make decisions and what does the science say and all that kind of stuff. And uh, recently, there has been an Australian study that came out on the 5th of May 2018. So this, this is very, very recent. Um, and it's been um, published in ACTA Scientific, and uh, that's volume two, issue six, June 2018. And it's titled The Evaluation of Chemical and Physical Changes in Different Commercial Oils During Heating. And that's a really, really cool, really cool study. Mm. Um, and uh, man, it came up with some nuggets of wisdom sure did. <laughs> I, I love it i love the study because it really um came in line with uh, the view of whole foods that joe and i teach mm. and um joe we've been talking about cooking oats for years now to people and we have and we them. get questions constantly and yeah. um also at our seminars we talk about fats in a fair bit of depth fats and cholesterol and all of the you know the past, how it's been told, all the things that we've been told about traditional fats being no good and you need to change over to vegetable oils and margarine and then now it's swinging back and this study just really will help people to um, understand why mm -hmm. it's important to eat traditional fats. All right, so shall I dig into this? Yes, go ahead and I have lots of questions from readers so... You begin. Okay. I'll set the scene a little bit so that um, we understand where we're com coming from and why this kind of study is super important. So we had this uh, this period in our history as people where we were eating traditional fats. That's the only thing that were available to us, fats that we could make at home through very simple processes. Things like crushing olives or um, churning coconut or churning cream and turning that into coconut oil or butter. And then from the butter, we made ghee. We also um, were making things like um, uh, tallow and lard. Tallow is the fat from beef or lamb. And we had lard from pork or we had chicken fat and duck fat. And these were the fats that were there. And we could make these animal fats just simply by, by cooking the animal, and then the fat would render naturally of it. And uh, we would put these fats aside and use them in cooking later when we wanted to bake vegetables or like root vegetables or something. We'd add them to rice dishes or whatever. And this is both the, the vegetable-based fats like olive oil and coconut oil and um, also the animal fats. But then we had the fat-phobic era where we were told that eating things like saturated fat were really, really bad for us. And we switched from eating those to eating a new type of fat. We didn't just simply drop eating butter and ghee and tallow and lard and switch to eating just olive oil and uh, coconut oil. In fact, coconut oil was demonized because it was really high in saturated fat. And um, we also... Um, we saw an emergence of a new type of oil 
or a new family of oils called industrial seed oils. And these include things like sunflower oil, grapeseed oil, canola, rice oil, and peanut oil. Rice and bran. These rice bran, yeah, mm-hmm. rice bran oil. Sorry, yeah, rice bran oil. <laughs> and these these oils are the uh, the oils manufactured by industry. And what, what I mean by that is, if you get say rice bran, I give you a whole heap of rice bran. I say, hey, Jojo go ahead and make me some rice bran oil. Mm, I'd be a bit stuck. Yeah, because if you if you see rice bran, it actually doesn't look oily at all, whereas coconut is obviously oily. As you eat it, you notice that, hey, this is oily. And uh, olives as well. You, all you need to do is to crush olives, and then the olive oil will come out. It is just an inherent part of the uh, olive. And um, there are fats like from things like uh, grapeseed grape and canola and rice bran, which require um, machines to extract them. Like we can't just simply put them through. Um, like, mm, I'll give you an example. Like olive oil now, the way that they create extra virgin olive oil is they crush it with a stone, like a large, like the, it's a machine that churns the oil, the olives with a, a really large, heavy stone and turns the stone around the olives and it crushes them and then it goes through. Um, a uh, like the, you add they add water to it that water functions to keep it cool and also um, as the oil then and the water travels through the circuitry it, uh, it goes through a process where it's sort of uh, separated um, the oil comes out one way and the water comes out the other way and um, uh, the word escapes me now, but it's, this, uh, it's a centrifuge. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, so as it as it churns through the centrifuge, it's basically a, this. The centrifuge allows the the water and the oil to um, circulate at a high speed. And as it circulates at a high speed, the oil and the water then settle to different levels, um, and the the oil can be skimmed off the water. And that that way you just get pure oil out. Whereas things like uh, canola and rice bran and sunflower oil, they're processed through intense heat and chemical processing. There's a process called hexane extraction. And it produces an oil that then needs to be further refined and deodorized. And sometimes uh, the the color needs to be taken out of it. And uh, I've heard that the raw oil tastes quite foul as well and it Mm. needs to um, have the flavor taken out of it. So you end up with a highly refined oil that required a lot of heat and machinery to extract it. And these types of oils are rich in um, a compound called, or a family of compounds called PUFAs or uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids. Polyunsaturated fatty acids are uh, found naturally in things like say almond or tahini or sesame um, but in those foods they are contained within a cellular structure and they still sit within the um, the whole food um, classification but then when you take them out of a cellular structure and you, you put them under heat um, and you chemically process this stuff these oils start uh, degrading because these polyunsaturates they're one of the most um readily oxidizable fats that we have. They actually, they're very fragile. They, they will rust very, very easily unless they are in intact food form. And um, if they're 
treated with heat uh, and they're exposed to oxygen with the heat and then filtered and um, gone through all that process and then put in these plastic bottles and shipped around the country and kept um, you know, in conditions where the light is hitting them on the shelf because of the clear plastics that they're using, it continues this degradation process of the polyunsaturates and causes them to become uh, oxidized, which means rusty. Mm-hmm. And that in itself will go into our body as we eat these things and the body will make its cell membranes out of these fats. And uh, these fats are already rusty. And as it does that, then the cell membranes are more fragile and then we become more prone to chronic illness. That's, the, that's what the science is showing is happening with these PUFAs. But we're not now in the time where the policy has caught up with the science. So food policy is still saying they're very good for us because they're not saturated saturated fats and science is showing that no these things are actually not not good for us and the argument is that they have higher smoke points and things like that which we'll dig into in a, in a little bit but um, what's really important to know about uh, PUFAs as well is um, their omega-6s that's the word for it and you may know the word omega-6 and um, as opposed to say omega-3s which are the fats that we know to be extremely healthy and they come from fish. So things like fish oil and eating fatty fish is really good. Omega-3s are also found in pasture-fed eggs and in uh, fats from animals that have been living on pasture. So um, cows and lambs that have been eating grass, they'll create a fat that that contains a good amount of omega-3 in it. And when we've analyzed the diets of traditional people, we've seen that the ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s has been um, 1 to 1 or 1 to 3. So basically for every gram of omega-3, the traditional culture people have had, an, an op, you know, in relationship, they've, they've eaten 1 gram of omega-6 or up to 3 grams of omega-6. But now, because of the way that we're eating these uh, industrial seed oils, we're eating them in excess of 20 to 1. So like 1 omega-3 up to 20 omega-6s. That's how much we've increased. So that's become really, really high. And uh, I remember reading an article once uh, about the introduction of these oils into Israel. And um, Mm. because they're so... um, They work really well with kosher cooking in terms of the fact that they don't have a flavor and they don't... um, they're not made of dairy or anything like that. So um, when it comes to kosher eating, it kind of makes sense to eat these types of fats. Uh, so Israel really um, embraced these types of fats. And then we started seeing a, an increase in heart disease um, that correlates to the increase of consumption of these, these fats. And um, this is a correlation. It's not a causation. We don't know if it's causing it, but like the evidence is showing that with the, the more they were eating of these omega-6s, the more that they were prone to heart disease. Mm-hmm. And um, so the science is coming out on all fronts showing that these things are not good. 
Um, but they're still being sold in supermarkets at the moment. And we're being told that, hey, these are the things that we should be having. And they even have things like the Heart Foundation take on them because they don't have saturated fat in them. And the question is, is this something that we should be continuing as a people in terms of producing and, and eating? And the reason why they are so um, widely available and so cheap is because of um, unsustainable farming methods that are subsidized by government. So we get these large fields where we deforest or we used to have conventional, or sorry, traditional farming. And then we clear that whole land and we start growing that one crop of canola, for instance, or, um, or uh, sunflowers or peanut. And they start depleting the land and over time that land can turn into deserts. We don't look after it. Well, of course, these uh, oils are, or these seeds and crops are being sprayed by pesticides uh, in order to keep the pests at bay. The reason why we need to spray them with pesticides is because nature um, does, doesn't really allow for monoculture. There's not no examples in nature where large expanses of fields grow just the one thing. Um, nature creates resilience through biodiversity. So we have a, a bunch of different plants that grow in the same area and they're companions for each other. They attract different types of birds and uh, insects and they repel certain types of insects and they defend each other and it creates a very resilient and healthy environment. And that also looks after the soil. So it creates more biodiversity in the soil, different types of bacteria and worm, uh, worms and things like that. Um, the humus is healthy. So the, the uh, part of the soil that actually contains the roots, um, uh, it can retain water when the water rains and creates a really healthy environment. When we uh, cut all these things down, we just grow the one crop and we also spray things with herbicides and fungicides. We're killing the soil through the chemicals uh, that we're adding there, and we're not creating resilience at all. So that means we need pesticides on the on the crops. So, you know, it's a big, it's a big problem because it's creating um, the... Yeah, and, and deserts are actually being created because of this around the world, and we won't be able to grow monocultures for much longer. But... F- through this um, capitalistic system that's really only interested in short-term profits and they're not really interested in long-term sustainability, um, they can grow these things at the moment with such uh, high yield that um, they they can make a lot of money doing it. And And, and the argument argument is that um, we have to do it this way to support such a large... Um, population of the world, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's one argument that, yeah. that you know, the world will not survive without monoculture. Mm, that's um, what I've but heard. Looking at established examples of monoculture is that after certain areas have been monocultured for for a while, they turn into deserts. Mm. So there will be a collapse in so that it's system. A, it's it won't be able term. to grow anymore. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, we can refer back to that podcast we did with Joel mm. Salatin yes. around sustainable farming go back and have a listen to that one. It's an incredible podcast about the re- resilience that can be created through a, a proper farming system rather than doing yeah. these monocultures. And how it can um, feed it can feed the world if it was yeah. done that way. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, 
the truth is we we're not in any way sustainable mm. when it comes to monocultures just can't just won't feed the world for much longer it yeah. might feed it for, for a while but what are we feeding the world exactly. we're feeding the world the you know these grains that are heavily polluted mm. as well and the pesticides and herbicides that are on the food are coming into our bodies and create this uh, sick uh, humanity <gasps> and and so then we're not really looking at a big picture at all. We're just looking at profit and uh, meeting demand. And the thing about it is it's creating, it's actually created so much of these crops that the demand is not even there. So they have to turn them into another product, which is these oils. And then they have to market these oils to us to say that they're healthy so that we can actually buy them so we can consume and profits can increase. Mm. And it's a, a really um, scary world that we yeah. live in. And sure um, at the moment, we have people around uh, the uh, civilized world, so-called civilized world, who uh, are firmly uh, in the belief system that um, these guidelines that the governments give us or the Heart Foundation gives us around these oils with the tick that it gets given is that the, this is the healthy stuff to be eating and that we shouldn't be eating olive oil or cooking with it. We shouldn't be cooking with uh, coconut oil or um, mm. avocado oil. And we should be sticking to those oils that have the heart foundation take on them. And um, today's study, like the, the today's podcast, which talks about the study, uh, gets into this topic really in a very interesting way because um, typically what people have spoken about before is smoke points and how smoke points affect uh, cooking. So smoke point is the point, the heat or the temperature uh, at which the um, oil that you're cooking with starts burning. You can see smoke coming out of it. Um, and that's a good indicator of damage that's occurring to the oil. So typically we're looking for oils that have a high smoke point in order to cook with them so that they don't degrade while we're cooking. Mm -hmm. But this study goes further and talks about a, a, uh, another aspect, which is uh, polar compounds and trans fat levels after yeah. cooking so not interesting. or during cooking. Um, it is really interesting. So um, do you have any questions so far, Joe? Well, I have, I do, but you're on a good roll, so I can do them at the end. Okay, so um, I'll talk a little bit about um, this study. So what they have is they they studied sunflower oil, grapeseed oil, canola, rice bran oil, peanut oil, coconut oil, extra virgin olive oil, olive oil, and avocado oil. And look, this study um, uh, was done in a place called Modern Olives Laboratory Services Australia. So um, just you know, from reading this uh, article or, or this study, it's um, really worth uh, mentioning this because uh, there could be a conflict of interest between the people who are studying this and the results itself because the results were very favorable for extra virgin olive oil. Mm -hmm. They basically said that extra virgin olive oil, I'll sort of uh, give you the results, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that uh, extra virgin olive oil uh, they did really, really well as opposed to the other stuff. So this conflict of interest is, we need to talk about it, that this kind of study 
is done by a company which by the name of them it sounds like they are invested in promoting olives or mm-hmm. um, because they're called modern olives laboratory does that mean that the science is flawed or wrong um, unless they've um, uh, they you know committed fraud I guess in, in the results um, probably not um, and it's really worth seeing if someone repeats the study and gets the same results and they have no interest or no vested interest in olive oil or you know promoting that mm. so I'm hoping that more studies will come out but this is such a it's a good study to look at because the science looks sound from where I'm standing just looking at what they what they did and um, yeah so I'll talk a little bit about what they found it's such a detailed study. It's not slapdash at all. Um, and it's quite difficult for probably most people to read through. I got probably, you know, a fair way through it. And then I was like, wow, <laughs> this is quite detailed. So um, obviously we'll put the link in the show notes so people can go through it while you're talking. But if you could work through it and explain what it's talking about, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, I'm not a scientist either. I'm just looking at um, the things that I, I've been able to understand myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, they do have some parts which are really, really clear, and some of the science I do understand. So I'll talk about the science that I do understand, but um, it would be really cool to get someone who like, is a scientist who can walk mm. us through what, what has been found through this study but at the end of it, it's really important to know that they ha- do have a conclusion there, which really um, um, is, you know, you can just understand without being a scientist. That's right, but, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the part that says polar compounds. And, and basically, these are new compounds that are formed in the oil when you expose the oil to heat. So these are, you know, if you have an oil and it's stable at room temperature and then you start heating it up, it starts creating new compounds because of the heat. The heat creates chemical reactions within the oil, and it, it creates new compounds. And some compounds are healthy, and some compounds are not healthy. So, um, well, not, not that some are healthy, some are not healthy. We know that some of them aren't healthy for us. We don't know which ones are healthy and which ones are not, but we know that some are not healthy for us. So... Um, uh, there's a part of the study that says some and not all of these polar components um, are known to have a detrimental effect on human health as they have been consistently associated with various forms of cancer and neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. So this is the part about polar compounds. And what they did is they took these oils and they heated them to 180 degrees and they left them. And they started measuring them at different intervals of time. Left them cooking what, at 180 for two hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, which is what would happen in a in a deep fryer. Yeah. Uh, in a, a cafe picture. or something. Yeah. That's right. Like they'll um, they'll will keep it at that temperature for a long period of time because mm. they need to be ready when the service comes along. That's They're right. just gonna fry. Yeah. Um, so what they saw was. Um, this is this is the uh, result. These are the ones that, that were the worst performance from worst to, uh, you know, yes. from that order. Like the worst was sunflower oil, mm. followed by grapeseed oil, followed by canola and rice bran, then peanut. 
these were the, the worst. And then the ones that looked really similar and were on the lower end of the spectrum in this order were from best to less you know, good, but not bad, like they're considered within the safe range. We have coconut oil and then extra virgin olive oil, normal olive oil, which is not extra virgin, and avocado oil. So from uh, from this, we see that coconut oil seems to be the most stable when in long, uh, periods. Uh, in long periods of time. Um, there's a point to be to talk about that a little bit later, but um, this is what they saw, that, that coconut is actually most stable there. Okay. And um, in the study says this, it says, in general, oils that are more unsaturated oxidize more readily than less unsaturated. So the, the, mo- the more unsaturated are the PUFAs, the polyunsaturated fatty acids. PUFAs okay. means that they have uh, a lot of um, parts of the, those molecules that are ready to take on reactive oxygen species or things that uh, bind to them from that are not part of them. So these are the, you've heard the, the term um, antioxidant, um, when our body has these uh, parts of it that are ready to, to oxidize. Uh, if we take antioxidants, these molecules of antioxidants go and, and sit within that molecule, molecular structure and they fill it up so that they repel any negative molecules or bad molecules that might come and sit in that place. So they're healthful molecules to sit in our body in those, uh, in those molecules. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to explain. Maybe I said that in a strain, you know, I could explain this a little bit better. So imagine that we have um, a molecular structure uh, in our body, in our cell membrane, that can attract good things or bad things. And um, if we have food that is high in antioxidants, that's the good things. Okay. And the good things will come and bind and keep that cell really safe because those things aren't bad for us. Uh, the, the less available um, molecules that need this kind of antioxidant in our body, the better off we are. Mm-hmm. So if our body is made of fats that are saturated already or it's made of fats that are monounsaturated, which means they just have one available bond for these uh, of these reactions, then we don't. Our need for antioxidants goes down. Yeah, uh, and then that means we don't rust as quickly. Mm-hmm. But as we're eating more polyunsaturated fatty acids, we require more antioxidants in our diet. But if they arrive already damaged and they're already oxidized, then no amount of antioxidants will do the trick anyway. Right. And they're saying here that the more unsaturated the fat is, which is the ones that are like the sunflower, the grapeseed, the canola, the Which we've been told are the ones we're supposed to be eating. Yes. The study is saying that in general, oils that are more unsaturated oxidize more readily than unsaturated. So they're rusting more readily when exposed to heat. And that means that, you know, when we eat them, they already have that damage. So have you mentioned about the way that our cells, our cell membrane is made up of the fats? That we I have, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. I mentioned that okay. before. Okay, yeah. missed that. Sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a super interesting uh, thing to to note, and we knew this already, but the science is showing it. Now. Yes. And then they have this uh, long paragraph, which I'll read to you. 
and um, and then we can talk about it afterwards. This is about trans fats, and they they did um, 240 degrees and um, 180 degrees. So this is what where what it says. It says trans fats, which we know are unhealthy fats. They're the they, they're the type of fat that the oil becomes after heating, you know, some of the oils start um, deteriorating into trans fats. And then when we eat these trans fats, they're really um, bad for us. And there's, um, there's a level of trans fats where it's completely unacceptable to have in our food. And uh, there are many you know, parts of the world where they have regulations around trans fats, where they say you're not allowed to have trans fats go over a certain amount. Now, trans fats, from the study, trans fats levels of initial conditions after reaching 240 degrees centigrade and after six hours of heating at 180 degrees are uh, shown in figure one. Centigrade? Celsius, sorry. Celsius. Um, there's a remarkable difference between initial trans fat content in refined oils and non-refined oils. Grapeseed showed the highest amount of initial trans fat content while extra virgin olive oil and virgin olive oil showed the lowest. Mm. These results are consistent with the oil production method, as refined oils are bleached and heated during the industrial process, and virgin oils such as Evo and VOO and avocado only produced with mechanical processes, as opposed to this is an aside, as opposed to refinement and bleaching mm-hmm. and heating, maintain a natural a naturally lower level of trans fats. And now it says figures four and five show the evolution of K232 and K270, which is, uh, these are um, codes for trans fats. Mm-hmm. As expected, both of them, both of the, in the indices of K232 and K270 increased during the heating experiment. This increase indicates the formation of conjugated dienes or peroxides and, uh, and a whole bunch of different, um, I won't read the, name of the chemical names of these things, over time, so like uh, the, the more we heated, the more of these things got produced. Basically, yep. the the initial and final values of K two three two and K two seventy for grape seed, sunflower, and rice bran oil were higher than the rest of the oils tested. For most of the oils, the production of trans fat were more pronounced by temperature than prolonged time of heat exposure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the temperature basically what that means is um, these oils. If you just um, got them to a certain temperature, it'll just start producing trans fats. Yeah. And then it says from there, the natural oils such as Evo, VOO, and avocado oil were more affected to elevated temperature, while refined oils were more affected by the time of heat exposure at 180 C. Okay. Except for coconut, uh, sorry, except for canola oil that was also affected by temperature. Yeah. So, what what that means is uh, is this is if we've got these oils and we put them uh, for several hours in, at 180 degrees, the refined oils were producing much, much, much more trans fats mm. than um, the ones that the healthy natural ones. Yeah, and um, the ones the healthier fats would produce trans fats if they got really hot, like up to 240. They'd start producing trans fats. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a you know a significant trade, so it is sort of a it is a call to not overheat anything. Yeah. But those prolonged temperature cooking 
is showing a lot of trans fat reduction in uh, the seed oils, and it starts from an early time. And if you look at the graph, it is scary how much mm. more. Like um, the the graph for trans fats. Yeah, um, the one with the grape seed oil shocked me. Yes. Because yeah, so many people use grape seed oil thinking it's a safe oil, and we've been telling people for ages, no, it's very refined. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you really see it with the trans fat. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible when you see, like, figure Shocking. one is the trans fat, and you just go, wow, like, extra virgin olive oil, virgin olive oil, olive oil, avocado, coconut. They did brilliantly. They were yeah. so stable compared yeah. to the others. And then the other ones started off with more trans fats already because they'd already been heated during manufacturing. Yeah. And then they shot up like crazy. Really crazily. Uh, yeah. So um, so there's there's that aspect too. And um, we also they, there's also a, um, a part of the study which talks about uh, – actually, hold on. Let me see if there are, there's something to talk about here before I move on to the last bit. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm, yes. So, yeah, just just to reiterate, basically the industrial seed oil is deteriorated simply by prolonged exposure to heat. And we're not talking about high heat cooking here. Like this is 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. But the longer you kept them hot, the more trans fats started elevating in them. Yeah. Um, the natural fats deteriorate, deteriorated less over time, um, but increasing the heat does increase the deterioration. Mm-hmm. And canola oil was affected both by temperature and time. Yep. So, uh, so either way, just yeah, don't eat it. Don't eat it. <laughs> um, and, you know, the conclusion from that is to cook with natural fats uh, to avoid trans fats and yeah. cook on lower temperature, uh, low and slow. And Can- Things like, you know, using them in a stew, which, like, I don't know if people uh, worry too much about it, but uh, when you when I make a stew or a soup and I want to fry, say, my vegetables um, a little bit before more, you, saute yeah. them, mm-hmm. um, the amount of time and the heat is uh, quite minimal. We don't, yes. You don't spend a lot of time sauteing stuff. And then when you add the water, as it starts boiling, that keeps, keeps it at 100 degrees. Yeah. So it doesn't actually go even up to 180. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and there are, you know, they, we're seeing that we don't create trans fats in, say, olive oil during that period of time. One and thing, nothing significant. One thing we talk about with frying, um, especially if you're using, um, like we use the solid techniques pans and you've got that hot iron, you've got to keep the heat lower um, anyway to. You know, so things don't stick because you've got that natural mm. non-stick, and I think um, it all like it's fine to use plenty of good fats when you're cooking and frying, um, and just keep the heat. Don't turn the heat all the way up; just keep it a little bit lower, and um, you're getting good results both for your pan and for your food that way. I just thought I'd mention yeah. that a practical yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So um, look, I read the conclusion from the. Uh, from the study there's mm-hmm. more information there that i couldn't even understand well you have have you mentioned much about smoke points because that's the thing most people say yeah but the smoke point yeah but the smoke point so it's only part of the like as Fouad said there's so much more to it than just the smoke point yeah and they do talk about that they they yeah. talk about smoke points as well and um again we're not we shouldn't be cooking anything too hot 
No, it shouldn't if be. it is smoking but, away, then it's too hot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the reason why, say, canola has a high smoke point is because it's so refined that there's kind of nothing to, to really burn. Mm. But its oxidative stability is uh, uh, low. Yes. So it oxidizes more and it creates a lot more polar compounds. Mm-hmm. So, and it also has more polyunsaturated fatty acids. So what they're saying in the study here is smoke point can't be the uh, the only factor to take in. Yes. So they they're looking at final polar compounds, oxidative stability, as well as smoke point, mm-hmm. free fatty acids, and the amount of percentage of polyunsaturated fatty acids, and the uh, amount of trans fats in the in these fats in these oils after cooking. Yeah. And when you look at all these factors together, it just becomes very clear to see that you should be just using uh, natural oils. Like there's yeah. no, you can't there's argue no argument against around it. No. Yeah. But this is the conclusion that they came up with. They said from the study, it can be concluded that under different heat condition, heating condition, the generation of polar compounds with temperature and time was more pronounced for refined seed oils with higher initial values of smoke points, PUFAs, K232 and K270. It is important to note, so basically, like, the polar compounds were higher correlating to the smoke point. So, like, seeing that the higher smoke point in mm. those things um, had a correlation with um, with an increase of, uh, like, polar compounds. Yeah. So, I'll continue. It is important to note that the experiments were carried out without food being cooked. So, they're saying this is just oil. They're just heating the oil. And mm-hmm. that they, they also say that... Um, while cooking the water and steam, which comes from the food being cooked, aids the process of hydrolysis, and um, the absence of food in these trials may have allowed for a greater impact of oil oxidization when compared with other deterioration reactions. Mm-hmm. So they're saying this is not representing uh, what it would look like in a kitchen when you're actually cooking something, uh, but um, that's not what they're, they're trying to look at here. Yeah. Um, the reasonable predictors of how an oil will perform when heated have been Oxidative stability, secondary production, uh, secondary products of oxidization or oxidation, and total levels of PUFAs. Evo or extra virgin olive oil has demonstrated to be the most stable oil when heated, followed closely by coconut oil and other virgin oils such as avocado and high oleic acid seed oils. So this is why you know I talk about high oleic uh, organic cold pressed sunflower oil. Mm. Um, because it's not, it, it's it's um, the mach- it's a machine. It's not uh, extracted through um, chemical processes and heat and things like yeah, that. It's just, just a cold pressed. Press. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but but they didn't study that. They didn't study high oleic uh, sunflower. Um, the peanut that they used was high oleic, and the high oleic peanut was, did better than all the other seed oils. And, mm. Yeah. Okay. So um, that, that's what's interesting about it, but it's not something, and, and they call it something like softly processed or something like that, okay. the peanut oil. Um, but, um, and, and what hyolaic means is that it has, uh, it, it's got less polyunsaturated fatty acids and more monounsaturated. So yeah. it's clo- the closer its fatty acid uh, profile is to olive oil, um, the healthier it seems to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, you ready for questions? I hope so. I don't know if I can answer <laughs> questions, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm okay. not going to answer questions that I don't, I don't No, of course. We'll just to, say we'll find yeah. out. But yeah. Um, 
So the conclusion that I'm coming to, I'm, you know, thinking of the practicalities of all this. Do you remember in a podcast a little while back, I can't remember who it was, uh, maybe it was the gluten guy? No, I can't remember who it was, um, talked about how they used to fry chips in lard. Who was that yes. talking about that? Um, anyway. I don't, I don't but, remember either. Yes. Yeah, but, you know, like 50 years ago or 60 or however many years ago sure. it was, it was McDonald's chips were fried in lard. People used lard in cafes and restaurants. And that could be, um, especially from this study, you can see that the more saturated the fats are, um, they would have coped well with that long heating process. Mm. Um, but nowadays... I don't think you could go into pretty much any cafe or restaurant where they're going to have things like chips and um, anything fried um, that isn't going to be using vegetable oils or seed oils. Do you, like, when I know with your restaurant, well, you didn't do deep frying probably, but you always used. I did. Oh, did you? I did. I used, but you used yeah, I used coconut oil. Room, coconut, yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, but I don't think many cafes and restaurants would be doing that because of the expense, right? Yeah, well, it was very expensive because this was like organic extra virgin olive <laughs> <laughs> Which is and, why we loved your restaurant and everyone's yeah. going to be saying, open it back up for one. <laughs> but it's, um, it's something that we've actually been contacted before by cafe, people with cafes and they've said, how do you, how do, you do it? Because, you know, what do you yeah. do? It's a difficult one. Um, yes. Well, that's the mind. thing, like having a supply of lard now that is coming from um, healthy pasture-fed exactly, animals yeah, is going to be quite be difficult, difficult as well. And then it's usually got preservatives if it's like a store-bought lard. Yes. So you pretty much so, don't want to buy f fried food when you're out unless you no, go to Fuad's restaurant, which is now shut. <laughs> Sorry. The interesting thing is to, to know that animals that are eating a grain-based diet will create mm. more polyunsaturated fatty acids as well. Those yes. omega-6s that this study is showing isn't that great for you because they're you know, damaged already. Yeah. So, um, you know, you want to, if you're using tallow or lard to fry, it has to be from a very healthy animal. Mm. And at the same time, like, I really hesitate taking these fats up to anything over 180 degrees yeah. myself. I they say a frying pan often, is, it very often gets up to 210 when you're frying in a frying pan at home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, try and keep it low. Um, don't get the blackened bits <laughs> and the smoke yeah, happening. You don't want to damage those, those fats. You know? Yeah, they're, they're delicate. So, super important for the mm. body. And, um, yeah, a gentler way of cooking is definitely the, the way to go. Now, you know, that said, we, we've cooked meat over fire. Yeah. And we, you know, we've done that for thousands of years. And, and eaten plenty uh, of antioxidants in our veggies and fruit. Yeah. So yeah, that's so, probably helped. Yeah, a, a whole food diet with, like, cook, like, it's super important to know that the food's coming from a good place. And I don't worry too much about, say, mm. barbecue or... No, it's uh, not every day, know, is it? Sauteing. No, no. But uh, if it's come from a healthy animal, I'm eating, mm. uh, you know, leafy greens and bitters and things like that. And mm. I feel okay about it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Balance. So, um, you know how you mentioned about adding water or food to the oils makes a difference. Does it make a difference do you know what difference that is? Does it make it a higher? Sure. 
No, well, when you have water in a pot, reduces the temp. It, it doesn't. The temperature can't go over a hundred degrees. Right. This this is the the boiling temperature of water. Yes. And at that, and until the water actually evaporates completely, the oil cannot literally physically get heated over a hundred degrees because the the whole soup is going to be at that temperature. It just can't go mm. over it. Well, I know when, yeah. you're, when you've got oil or ghee or something heating in the pan and you forget because you're rushing around doing a zillion things in the kitchen and then you come back and go, ah, I haven't put the food in yet and it's starting to smoke. Like if you have the food in there, it keeps it at a lower temperature, doesn't it? That's right. And especially right. if you have water. Like if you, ha- yes, if you have a pot of boiling water and you put your oil on top, yeah. the water will be boiling and evaporating at 100 degrees, stable yes. at that temperature. And then as it, um, uh, in, until it evaporates, the oil yes. won't go to 180. Just okay, because I just it. wondered yeah. what um, you meant with the study, how, you know, how it said in the conclusion that that was without food. So without, with food um, or water content in the cooking oil, it'll actually lower the temperature a bit. Well, what they're saying is they haven't measured as well. Like, yeah. when, when, like when you have hydrolysis, which is uh, you know, another set of chemical reactions that can mm-hmm. take place, uh, you're adding more variables into, true, into the yeah. cooking process. So then we don't know what kind of trans fats are going to be created like can will it increase the trans fat creation mm. in uh, in a specific in family food. of oils okay uh, if you if you have hydrolysis right um, we don't, we don't really know that, okay you know so so that's what they're trying to say is that we this is it's a controlled study in in just looking at what happens when oils are heated yeah but it doesn't really represent what goes on in real life because mm. we don't we haven't you know fried that um, schnitzel in there, you know, or yeah. um, to see to see what happens to the oil when there's mm. uh, extra molecular compounds in there that are that may contribute to further chemical reactions in the in the oil. Okay, we had yeah. a lot of questions on Facebook when we shared this study, um, and some of them were, "What about macadamia oil? What about lard? What about tallow? What about ghee?" Um, and I think we just have to go back to the principle that this study is showing that the higher saturated fats do better at long cooking. Um, well, it doesn't show that because oh. it, it only showed coconut oil. That's and, the only saturated oh, fat. Oh, I see. Had. I see. Yeah. It only had that. Yeah, and um, so we can't make any conclusions about anything really. Like okay, you wouldn't, say that, you wouldn't say that coconut oil, tallow, ghee, lard should be similar? Um, I, I would uh, think that, but to infer that from you the can't. study okay. is not something I can actually do. And what would you say about macadamia oil? You just don't know um, either. Well, my, my thing with macadamia oil is I really don't know how it's made. I, I've it's never cold, been to a cold-pressed. Yeah, but like at, at the same time, like it seems to me like macadamias are $40 a kilo, right? Like for yeah. me to buy them from the shops, $40 a kilo. And when I buy macadamias from the shop, quite often I'll have like that flavor where I, I go, well, this one of them or a few of them doesn't taste that Good. new yeah. to me. And uh, I wonder whether they mix old macadamias and with new macadamias in the, in, you know, last year's macadamias get mixed with this year's macadamia and then they get sort of diluted in the yeah. production line and yeah. we end up eating, like, I don't know. Mm. And then from, from there, like, if they're turning it into oil, when it's such a high-value food product, why are they turning it into oil when they can make such a, a good amount of money from it um, just by selling it? 
Yeah. So, uh, and probably because people you know, want it. Like, <laughs> I see what maybe, you mean, maybe, though. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe people want it. I don't know. I, do. I, I don't I really know. <laughs> yeah, sure. But but then, like, it's it's not a, a particularly expensive oil when you look at it that way. Mm. So it's sort of a little bit. Um, it's not cheap compared to uh, canola, definitely no. not. But it's it's not a prohibitively expensive oil to use. And I'm just wondering, I I would love to know, is it fresh nuts? How old are they? When yeah, were they picked? True. How clo- soon after they got picked were they pressed? Like olives, you can't mess with it. Yeah. Like you get an olive, you have to press it. Yeah, you, that's you right. It rots you, otherwise. Yeah. Mm. So um, that that's my, my feeling around the, the olive thing. But, okay. Um, when you've got nuts and seeds, you know, you, you can like, you know, yeah. Like avocados, you gotta you gotta press them. Yeah. You gotta get the oil out. Okay. What about um, a few questions about olive oil? So, yeah. what's the difference between extra virgin, virgin? You know, all the different ones. And a lot of people say, well, I don't ever use extra virgin for um, frying or cooking because um, it's better to use the other ones. But this study doesn't seem to agree with that for sure. Um, yeah. Can you just explain the difference? Like. Do the lighter olive oils have anything added that we shouldn't be have like vegetable oils added to them or are they just? Yeah. Okay. So definitely there are uh, olive oils on the market that say, you know, um, uh, olive oil on them. They don't say extra virgin. And, and then when you look at them, you see that they've been blended with something else. Yes. So they'll, they'll have, I don't know, canola or sunflower or something in there. Would make makes it lighter in flavor. The, but there are some good manufacturers that have certain types of olives that uh, taste, taste lighter, not as right. strong. Okay. For them, it's not you know it, they may call it light. They'll give you an indicator of lightness of flavor. You know? Yes. Like this is a strong flavor, or this is not a strong flavor. Now, ex, extra virgin, cold pressed. This is what you're looking for: is an extra mm. virgin, cold pressed, organic olive oil that's been harvested within the past 12 months or so and pressed mm-hmm. that's the kind of oil that you really want that one is um what's good about that is it means um that the acidity level is uh controlled that it's not uh, uh overly acidic and uh or under a certain acid i, I don't I don't remember exactly, but there's like a really a specific number. I don't remember what it is for mm. the acidity. Um, uh, that means that the uh, the olives need to have been picked at a certain time, yeah. uh, and that the that it gives you a certain flavor profile, okay. uh, chemical profile as well. Uh, cold pressed means that it hasn't been exposed to heat during processing. Someone. So, Sorry, yeah. someone mentioned that she recently visited the Cobram. Is it Cobram? Cobram estate. Cobram. Cobram. Yeah, and yeah. watched the harvest. And she said the different yeah. oils are sim- for them. The different oils are yeah. simply different types of olives. Types of olives. But yeah. she said, don't trust the European brands because they often refine and heat treat due to dodgy harvesting. That's right. That's right. So there yeah. was a bit yeah. of a um, a blow up about olive oil a while back, wasn't there? A couple of years ago. Um, yeah, the, the labeling the, being the a bit was, dodgy. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and you know you can buy extra virgin Australian olive oil and sort of trust that it is that yeah. because we have really stringent regulations. Yes, but but at the same time, I feel um, it's really important to look at the manufacturing date because yes. sometimes they have something that's quite old on the shelves as well. Yeah. So make sure that's it's you know the the recent harvest as well. Yeah, and so I'm just trying to make sure that everyone understands with the olive oils. 
um, you get a better smoke point with extra virgin. It seems so. And yeah. better for long term. It looks like it's a higher smoke point. Yeah. Yeah. So so for me, it's always always extra just same extra virgin. Never. Yeah. Yeah. And you get used to the taste. Like I think people are so used to vegetable oils that when they swap over to olive oil, they're like, "Oh, tastes a bit funny." But you will get used to the taste. Yeah, absolutely. It's and, delicious. And then you start to go, wow, this is delicious. It's kind of peppery. And the one yeah. that your family makes is is amazing. It's got that peppery taste. Yeah, I've got a few of those left, Joe. Do you have anyone to buy them from me? You? Really? I've got like four. <laughs> if I send them up to far north Queensland, would you sell them for me? Sure. Okay, I, well, I definitely need some. I yeah? ran out, yeah. Good. I, keep, I go right. through a litre every few days sometimes. <laughs> I don't know where really? it's going. <laughs> yeah well i've got i've got some here i must for be you. bathing in it like you <laughs> yeah it's good for you no, i go through it a lot as well i've got i've got a heap that i but um i'm trying to yeah anyway i'm not gonna talk about this here okay. about it offline <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i'll see if i've got any more questions here um all right oh there's a giant big heap of questions here okay wow. so um gee we talked about on Facebook, I think, like, we did talk about that a minute ago. Um, yeah, we, we said that, we mentioned that ghee is a, had a lot of traditional fat. Yeah. And uh, this study doesn't actually talk about any kind of animal fat at all. Mm. I haven't looked at them yeah. in any way. And um, our view is, um, this is the beauty of what Joe and I teach, Mm-hmm. is we we look at through the ancestral lens. So yeah. we, we really love the work of Weston A. Price and um, this kind of idea that if we stuck to tradition, then we should be all right. And mm. it's the simplest idea when it comes to eating. Simplifies um, things so much. It really does. And and it means that like, you know we don't actually have to wait for these studies that come out and say, oh, yeah, and... It seems that after we've done all this, testing, <laughs> 240 degrees, 180 degrees, looking at trans fats and blah, 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 Dr. Weston A. Price was right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, and our great-great-grandparents like, yeah, were yeah, actually yeah, eating the right were actually ones. Eating the right things, <laughs> you know? and, and it's like, yeah, yeah, sure, thanks for spending all that money on, uh, you know. But the crazy things, they kind of have to because yeah. society is so confused with it all yeah. now. Um, absolutely okay did you want to talk did you want to say anything about cholesterol because I'm sure some people still haven't quite got their head around that or is that like a whole different topic (laughs) Um, it it is a different topic Um, I mean the the thing about cholesterol is is the saturated fat aspect and uh, you know people worry about it clogging up their their arteries which mm-hmm. it does um but um have we done a podcast on cholesterol i think we in the one where you talk about fats um and your yeah. journey through yeah. healing you did talk about it a little bit but i can't remember how much it was a little while ago okay yeah so um well i don't know we we don't worry about saturated fats personally because they fall into the whole food traditional food section there and the science is showing that cholesterol now is um, really there's no such thing as good cholesterol bad cholesterol doesn't have like you know a split personality one of it's trying to kill you one of them one of it's trying to 
do you good, but that cholesterol is produced in the body in uh, response to inflammation, and that cholesterol is not the, the real killer, that the killer is inflammation, and that you have to be on an anti-inflammatory whole food diet that is uh, suitable for your body and your biology, and uh, gives you nutrition and nourishment, heals your gut. And when you're eating in that way, your body's need to produce cholesterol will be reduced and um, then you don't have to worry about these things. Mm. That's sort of the, the perspective that we take. And when you eat animal products, um, if you're eating them um, they're from good sources and you're cooking them in the right fats and you're not adding inflammatory compounds such as gluten and sugar into your diet and you don't have those uh, terrible oil, uh, oils that we were talking about in this podcast in there, then your body's inflammation will reduce. Yeah. And when it when it does that, then having saturated fat from animals that are healthy in your diet is actually good for you. It doesn't. Mm. It's not bad for you. Um, but the idea is to remove the refined ingredients and stick to a whole food diet, and your body will be naturally anti-inflammatory. Yeah. That's good. Um, so, did you mention what how the inflammation happens with? The vegetable oils. Yeah, so so um, these, uh, yeah, the, uh, it's a topic much wider than even I understand. But um, we did have. I'll, I'll put some links to some of the podcasts where this stuff's covered in more detail because I know that we'll get questions. But there was a really good podcast with Dr. Igor about inflammation. I don't remember if he talked about vegetable oils though. Yeah. Yeah. These, you know, these trans fats, the oxidative stress that they add on the body because they're already oxidized, that in itself creates inflammation. I don't know whether there's other pathways of inflammation as well. Mm. Mm. Um, But we just know that that's what happens. Yeah, but if you just imagine at a cellular level that you're making your cell membranes out of these really damaged fats, and your your cell is already fragile, and mm. it's it, it's um, gonna die prematurely. So it's uh, racing against time. Whereas you want the best kind of stuff to building yourself. You don't yeah. want to be building it from these already bad ingredients. You just want to get the best stuff into you. Yeah, that's good. Well, I think that's all the questions I had. That wasn't too Great. bad. That's all right. I hope this was a good podcast. Um, Yeah, I think it's kind of a hard topic to talk about when you're not a scientist. Like my my science understanding is like first year university kind of uh, (laughs) level. So you know, I I hope that uh, that makes sense. Well, the whole thing is just. I think most of us don't understand a lot of the details of that study. Most people would look at it and go, Ooh, I understand the basics, but, yeah. I, and we just need to know what's the principle behind what they've figured out and what's the, what do I do in my own home? What should I do with fats? And yes. I think we've covered that pretty well. I hope yeah. that's helped. Whole food, natural fats that are not made through industrial processes that are heat treated or chemically treated. And mm. uh, that means avoid things like uh, sunflower oil that's not, you know, high oleic organic, cold pressed. Avoid rice bran, canola, uh, peanut, and um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, the Gra- uh, grapeseed. Grape yeah. yeah, grapeseed. Definitely. Yeah. And then stick to the olive oil, coconut oil. 
uh, use avocado oil. I mean, you can't buy avocado oil in large quantities to cook with anyway. Like it's not unless you're sorting, but like you're mm. not gonna deep fry an avocado. No. Oil. Yeah. So um, yeah, yes. deep frying really isn't the best way to eat anyway. It's not something that we want to be doing all the time. And yes. um, I think my takeaway is don't get takeaway. <laughs> Do <laughs> you like Very that? Good. I love it. <laughs> it just popped out. I didn't That's even think it up before. <laughs> oh, genius. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning from you, all the puns. Yeah. <laughs> the dad jokes. It. Good job, Jojo. Thanks. I'm proud of you. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope that cool, was then. helpful, guys, and we'll put some helpful links in the um, show notes as well. So have a look there if you want to do a little bit extra study. And um, we'll be back in another week with, a, with some more podcasts for you. Fantastic. Bye, guys. Bye. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. For those of you on your own health journey, you know that a lot of times it's two steps forward, one step back, and you think you're doing well, and then something else pops up. It's like um, always you're always learning. It's, just a, it's not something that just happens overnight and suddenly you're well. If I actually had been so wrong about this really important thing in my life, what else was I wrong about? And it got me down this, uh, this place of questioning all the concepts that I had. And then I came to one question, which was, who am I beyond concept? When I was a little kid, I really always had trouble with food intolerances. I realized that there was a lot to be said for the way you eat. You come to the same place that I came to, and it's a place of complete freedom. Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.